0: Hello and welcome back to Not Just Paleo. I'm your host Evan Brand. Yes, I got Dr. McCullough back on the show. We had even more fun this time I think than our first conversation several months ago. We chatted about his new strategy and how he started to build up more strength in the gym even though he's not necessarily changed anything with his workout. You're going to be surprised about what we geek out on. Maybe not surprised but you're going to be amazed that He's geeking out on the same stuff now that I've been talking about on this show for the last several years. Anyhow, we'll get in that into the episode in just a minute. Remember, you can visit my website, notjustpaleo.com, to set up a free consult with me to discuss your health symptoms and goals, and let's hear a word from our sponsor, which I'm speaking for them, Kettle and Fire, the organic shelf-stable bone broth company. My wife and I were just talking, what was it, yesterday the day before, what else can we use bone broth for? And we were going to make the baby some chicken, some chicken thighs in the pressure cooker. And I thought, you know what, this is a perfect opportunity to get some bone broth into her diet without her having to be spoon fed. So I added some of the chicken kettle and fire bone broth into the instant pot and we cooked these chicken thighs. They were so delicious. I put some rosemary, some thyme, some sage on there. It was just unbelievable. So I use it for soups. I use it for the stews. I use it for the instant pot recipes. You can get 20% off your first order if you've not tried them before by visiting notjustpaleo.com slash chicken. And that's Kettle and Fire. So thanks for the sponsorship. Enjoy the show. Here we go. Dr. Mercola, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining me.
1: Well, great to be with you again. Yes.
0: So you've got this new book coming out. Is it out yet or it comes out in May? Is that right?
1: May 16th is, is the release date, so I'm not sure we're going to air this, but uh, that's when it comes out.
0: Now, you said uh, when you went cool. on uh, Dave Asprey's show, you said that your your book, Fat for Fuel, it's already up to like a number two bestseller on Amazon?
1: Well, it was when we first announced it on our site. It was in the top five books of all books on Amazon for the first week. Now, it's dropped in the top 50 uh, because we sort of exhausted our market, but uh, it will, uh, with people like yourself and bring your attention to it and uh, the media, it'll start to pick up smoke. We're actually doing a nine hour, seven to nine hours, not figured out yet, a documentary uh, that's going to be free. It's going to probably go to millions of people and that will also help promote the book.
0: That's amazing. Now, are you going to be interviewing people or what's that, what's that going to be about? Yeah,
1: we already, we already did, like at the low carb conference that was in West Palm. That, actually, we, the one in Tampa, Dominic's, the Agustino's, Yep second uh, metabolic therapeutics conference. So we interviewed Dr. Siefried and uh, Travis Christofferson and, and uh, a lot of the ketogenic experts That's so to perfect. get their take on it.
0: Now, so yeah. are, are you going to be talking about like the use of ketogenic for cancer therapy and such too? I think you did a talk at a cancer summit recently too, didn't you?
1: Yeah, truth about cancer, and it actually invited me back to speak again there this year. Uh, I, I believe it is the central fundamental core in treating most cancers, and you're barking up the wrong tree if you don't apply this. And it's, why is that important? Because, one, half of the men listening to this podcast, half, will come down with cancer in their, in their lifetime, and, and one-third of the women. And I'm not talking about skin cancer. I'm talking about dangerous cancers. So it's a real issue, and if, if you're don't, you don't, one of the people who are lucky enough not to have come down with cancer, you can almost be guaranteed someone you know or love or a family member to come down with, so it has very practical utility. But it's not just cancer. It's heart disease. And it's neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's, and, and on the early age of the spectrum, and the kids, it's autism. So, I mean, it works for all of these diseases and many others.
0: That's amazing. Now, I mean, the trends, you know, you're definitely a trendsetter and a trend follower as well. What's coming if we don't have some type of massive change and we don't have an implementation of this diet across, across the U.S. and across the planet? I mean, are we going to see one in two Alzheimer's? I mean, one in two uh, autism, I mean, is well, that...
1: that if, if, if the trends remain uh, the same, that is what the projections point towards. And, and if that happens, the, 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 the only inevitable conclusion is the society will collapse. You cannot have a functional, unless the time that that's implemented is you have this massive deployment of artificial intelligence or artificial superintelligence, and, you know, the computers are taking care of us, they're robots. But you can't, normally it takes one or two adults to take care of an Alzheimer or an autism patient. So if, if the number of available people exceed the, those with the disease, how can, you, how can a society exist? It just
0: can't. There'd be no way, people, I mean, unless you're
1: going to unless you unless you're going to kill all these people and you know you know let them die. Right. I mean, that really is the only possibility.
0: Oh my gosh! Now, what's the timeline? I mean, I know this is like so uh, up in the air, but I mean, is this we're looking lo- one to
1: two one to two generations? Yeah, that's it. Twenty twenty to fifty years. Yeah.
0: Goodness. So in yeah, I think they'll time,
1: wake up, and that, and that's why I wrote this book, and that's why I have the website to educate people to spread the message, that to not be confused, deceived, and deluded by the conventional media.
0: So do you think, uh, are there going to be millions of sales of this book, hopefully, with all the promotions going on?
1: That's my goal. I've never had a book that sold a million copies. We've already got 50,000 copies on pre-order now, so we hope they have 100,000 by launch. But uh, I, if people like it enough and spread the message, I think we could get to a million, million copies and hopefully be as uh, ca- a catalytic a book as one of its early famous precursors, which is the Atkins diet, which, which, was had, which was a step in the right direction, but was fatally flawed in a number of crucial and important areas.
0: Yeah, talk us through that. I mean, what were some of the issues with Atkins?
1: Well, the, the two primary ones is that he was relatively clueless about food quality. So his primary intention was, was really to get people to lose weight. It was a weight loss diet. And uh, the strategy was to replace carbohydrates, which was good, with fat, but didn't pay any attention to the quality of the fat. Uh, and then there was also no attention to the quantity of protein, which is probably even more important than the qu- qu- quantity of carbohydrates. So if you have excess protein, that's more pernicious than excess carbohydrates. But this is chronic excess protein. Because one of the things I teach in this book, and is quite different than Certainly different than Atkins. He never taught. He never understood this. Uh, and what many paleo uh, promoters don't understand is not only that you, you, you uh, should not have high protein all the time, but you need to cycle so that going on a ketogenic diet is healthy, but it's not healthy for anyone if you do it for long term or excessive. So you basically want to use it as a tool to get your body to burn fat is its primary fuel, because 85% of the energy in your body is stored as fat, only 5% is glycogen uh, stored in the liver and the muscles, and the glycogen in your muscles can't be used systemically. So you have this relatively small pool of, of uh, fuel that can be used, and it, most people, because they're eating too many carbohydrates and too much protein, they're burning carbohydrate as a primary fuel, and they're not able to have the metabolic flexibility to access those fat stores. So that presents dilemmas, and the result of doing that, you're not creating ketones, and ketones are a far more efficient water-soluble fat that penetrates the blood-brain barrier, fuels the brain, and the key thing about ketones is that they are, they burn far more efficiently. So it generates less reactive oxygen species, and then secondary free radicals, which damage mitochondrial cell membranes, DNA, and proteins, and that we believe is one of the primary causes of mitochondrial dysfunction, which is the core of most disease, including cancer.
0: Yeah, and, and I do agree with you about the whole paleo space. They've typically promoted more of a high-fat and high-protein, lower-carbohydrate diet, but there's only you and maybe three or four other people. I've had a couple other people come on the podcast that even know or are aware of the mTOR pathway, which you don't want to activate with excess protein. Can you explain a bit more about that? Is it, is it putting sure, s- yeah. stress on kidneys? Yeah,
1: mTOR, mTOR is probably the most important uh, metabolic signaling pathway in your body, even more important than insulin and leptin. And uh, almost I would say ninety ninety five percent of physicians never heard of it. why? Because they were never taught in medical school medical school because it wasn 't figured out. I mean there was, it was twenty years after I graduated before they found this discovered this pathway, and they didn 't invent it or they just discovered it it 's an ancient, highly conserved pathway throughout the uh, biological kingdom and it 's been around for millions of years so it 's not just in humans, uh, but its primary function is to signal, and the primary uh, influencer of this pathway is protein. So you, you can certainly influence with sugar, excess sugar, but protein is the primary driver. So if you have ex, it's an anabolic pathway, so it builds muscles. So if you have this activated continuously, as many bodybuilders do, or many people are in the paleo community, uh, you're going to run into problems. One of the biggest is that it shuts down the autophagy or the body's ability to remove the, gar- the, the garbage out of your cells, the dead or dying cells, that, and this is a process that's essential to control cancer. So it doesn't mean you can't have high protein ever. It just means you don't want it continuously. By that, I mean maybe two, three times a week, three times if you're pretty aggressive weight trainer, strength training. So but normally twice a week is all you need. And then the rest five days a week, you have low protein. What do I mean by low? typically less than a gram per kilogram of lean body mass. So are we are talking is, like, uh, for most people,
0: like 0.8 or where are you at typically?
1: Well, well you can go to, I mean, 0. 0.8 would be better if you want to get a little more aggressive. Uh, but that, what does that mean? That means typically somewhere between 30 and 60 grams of protein per day. So if you're 170-pound male, relatively lean, 60 grams. If you're 100-pound female, Somewhat heavy, it might be 30 grams. It might be 25. So it really depends on your lean body mass. And you just have to do the calculation. Then you have to be very careful and not just wing it. You've got to use uh, accurate nutrient trackers like chronometer, C-R-O-N-O meter.com. And you can go in there, and this doesn't have user source data, so it's really accurate. And then you figure out. You actually have to measure. It's like if you're having... Round beef or a, ch- a piece of chicken or fish, you weigh it and see how many grams it is and then you look up in the database and you know to the tenth of a gram how many grams of protein you're eating. Yep. So, you don't have to do that for the rest of your life, you just do it until you get a sense of what is good. You, know, you might take it, do it for two, to three months, six months, but then you, you, know, you, you know what to do. And unless you have a radical change in your diet, there's no reason to repeat it.
0: Yep, makes perfect sense. You want to know three interesting ingredients I've been using that can actually inhibit the mTOR pathway? One is rhodiola, which I love, one of my favorite yes. herbs. Um, mm-hmm. Astragalus. That, that's
1: what lowers blood, blood sugar, too.
0: Yeah, astragalus is another that I found. I was just kind of looking up PubMed, you know, mTOR, and just <clears> and <throat> typing in various herbs, and I came across that's a astragalus. Good one.
1: Yeah, astragalus extract is being used by some to
0: increase telomere length. Oh, my gosh. So reishi mushroom, too, yeah. which I—that was a very recent finding. Those are that that's a good one. yeah.
1: Very good one, even. That, I mean, that's good. I like that. Yeah.
0: So uh, let, let's let's. I'll, talk- ha- I'll
1: have to integrate that into my uh, program.
0: Yeah. I mean, I use I've heard of all of up. them
1: before, but I didn't realize that they influenced them so.
0: Do you use uh, Do you use adaptogens at all, like going through your day or your week? I do.
1: Uh, I use ashwagandha. It's probably the only major one I think I'm using now.
0: Yeah. Cool. I, so I started using rhodiola back when I worked for, um, back in the park system. I was hiking all day and I was um, cutting down invasive species and I was hiking in the woods for like 40 hours a week, lugging around a chainsaw and I was exhausted even though my diet was great. And so I started using like 500 milligrams of rhodiola a day. It changed my life. I mean, it was incredible. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, Impressive so, testimony. Well, so at the end of the work week, you know, say a 40-hour work week at the time, You know, I was uh, still in my early 20s at the time. Uh, I was physically and mentally drained. And then after I started the rhodiola, you know, within four to six weeks, I got to the point where I was at the end of an eight-hour day. I'd been lugging around, say, a chainsaw and, you know, tree limbs for eight hours. By the end of that day, I was ready to do another eight-hour shift. Wow. Yeah. That's great. So it was amazing. Now, what does that translate in terms of, you know, if we're we're doing like a kind of like a moderate protein, if we call it, but a higher fat, what does that translate? I mean, can you take us through like a typical, like a breakfast and lunch choice that you'd be picking?
1: Yeah, I think you have to, you have to find high, identify high quality fat. So some of the ones that I use regularly would be avocados, uh, macadamia nuts. I have a lot of, that's a big source of my calories. Maybe a third of my calories are from macadamia nuts. It's kind of pricey, but I like them and uh, then seeds and other seeds like pumpkin seeds, uh, chia, flax, uh, black sesame, black, black, black cumin, um, a raw cacao, egg yolks is another really great source of uh, fat and, and calories. Uh, not a lot of calories, but you know, I only have one or two. And the interesting thing is if you put them in a smoothie which is probably the best way to consume is You don't want to heat the egg yolks, ideally. And you know, there's no texture issue with the yolks in a smoothie, none, zero. Uh, so some people are sort of repulsed by having raw eggs, but you know, when it's a smoothie, it's not an issue. So the egg has uh, phospholipids, like phosphatidylcholine, which will emulsify and form phosph- uh, uh, liposomes of any of the micronutrients you have in there. So if you, like you put in your rhodiola, you might get a five tenfold increase absorption just by doing a liposomal, make it, essentially making a liposomal extract.
0: Oh my gosh, that's a trip. Now, uh, in terms of the flaxseed, I laughed so hard. I was watching the talk you did at The Truth About Cancer, and you said, uh, "Stand up! How many oh, people? Yeah. How many people have flaxseed oil in their in their pantry?" And like everyone stood up, and you were like, "You know,
1: yeah, throw it away." I was just blown. I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. But then, you know, what, hap- what I realized after I asked the question is that most of them were cluelessly following the Budwig protocol, which recommends that. And you could still use the Budwig protocol, which I've, I, I think there's probably better strategies, but it, you could still use it if you wanted to. If you used the flax seeds, far better. Because the, these omega 3 fats are very perishable. And once you take them out of their protective enclosure in the shell, um, then they're easily oxidized by the air. Now, even if you extract it and put it under nitrogen and put it in the refrigerator, Yes, it's good, but it gradually degrades with time. Why not get it fresh every time you use it? And it's so easy to do. You just put the, soak the flax seeds overnight and put them in your smoothie, and you're off to the races. You never taste them, and you get all the benefits. And you get the lignans, which you don't get from the oil, ah. which are really important, really important fibers that nourish the microbiome in your gut and have been shown to have lots of protective benefits against many types of cancers.
0: So how much are you using? You said was it like one tablespoon of flaxseed? I
1: mean, yeah, just a just one tablespoon is all I use. You don't need to, you know, you don't have to go out and use five or six tablespoons two, three ounces a day, because like anything, you want there's a Goldilocks dose. Too much is not good either. You can certainly overdo it.
0: Now, why have these oils gotten so popular? I mean, is it just the idea sounds sexier, like avocado oil, as opposed to just eating a damn avocado?
1: I, you know, I can't really answer that, but I suspect that's an element of it. I, you know, it is, it is, it's much more expensive. You know, I, I, mean, I just – I, I use no refined oils. I mean, I, I have – except for maybe olive oil, which is not really extracted. It's, it's usually pressed. Like, it's like a fruit juice. You put the olives and you just put, use a big expeller press to get it out. So it's not extracted. They use toxic solvents to remove the oils from the seeds. So –
0: that, that makes uh, sense. That's
1: about the only one I have, and I don't really use, use a lot of olive oil. Not that I think it's bad, although 80% of it is adulterated, but even, there are good ones, but it's just not, it's just, I just don't resonate with, well with the flavor.
0: What do you use for cooking? Are you doing like butter or ghee or coconut, or what are you using?
1: I, I hardly ever cook. Yeah. I mean, like today, today, I'll cook. Twice a week, I'll, I'll heat up some onions, and, a, a, and I use an induction burner, which I know is high in EMF, but I at least 10 feet away from it and so it's a relatively low exposure but i like it because i can cook at such a low temperature like 130 140 yeah and so it doesn't damage the nutrients so i put that some butter in there and i put, grill up some uh, grass-fed beef well, not much just about two ounces but it's enough i do that twice a week on my strength training days
0: now do you so get that's about the get, only time i cook Do you get satiated from that
1: Oh, no, I put that in my, ah.
0: <laughs>
1: my salad. My salad is about a gallon of different vegetables. I mean, at least I fill up a gallon bowl of all the uh, like uh, sun, sunflower seed sprouts that I grow and fennel and rosemary, uh, oregano and celery, cucumbers, red peppers. So it's, it's pretty – and, well, uh, I put more butter in there too because butter – and then I put – what I didn't realize is a really wow, profoundly effective ketogenic supplement is a high quality organic uh, apple cider vinegar. Mm-hmm. Man, that works really with the acetic. Oh, the acetic acid is really close to acetoacetate and, and increases acetyl carnitine, acetyl coenzyme A, and helps just optimize mitochondrial function. It's a really, I mean, I've heard all these. Amazing testimonials of people using apple cider vinegar. I never said why it worked. Now I get it. It has all to do with improving mitochondrial function. So I I put a fair amount of apple cider vinegar in my salad. And then I take it orally too, twice a day.
0: That's good to know. I wouldn't think I was optimizing my mitochondria. Right now I woke up with like a little bit of a runny nose because of this 40 degree temperature drop. So I took three grams of vitamin C and put apple cider vinegar in there. I didn't know why it made me feel better though.
1: Yeah. Now, optimize the vitamin C. Now, everyone listening to this needs to have liposomal vitamin C, not regular vitamin C, although that's useful too. You, you can't take as much of the, of the regular vitamin C because you, you have a, G, a GI tolerance issue. If you, if you exceed a certain dose, you'll get loose stools. Uh, but if it's in a liposomal preparation, and we actually saw one on our site, which was one of the better ones in cost-effective ways, you can actually get as good, if not better, results than giving it intravenously. Wow. So I always travel with this. I'm, I'm not suggesting that you need to take it every day. In fact, I wouldn't suggest that. But I'm, I'm suggesting everyone should have that in their cupboard for s- situations like you encountered this morning when you get stressed or something and you're sick, then you go high dose on it. I just had a contractor um, that filled, filled, have purchased a vacant lot next door to me. And I'm going to build this massive garden farming project. And he, he put some field dirt in there for me. And he came and gave me an estimate. And he's a young guy, but he owned a big company. And he was sick as a dog. He'd been to the doctor. had like been on two courses of antibiotics. Was still coughing up. Felt terrible. Looked terrible. Oh. So I said, listen. So I gave him a bottle of my liposomal C, right? I said, take, take this whole bottle today. All right. Take three every hour, four every hour. And... And he actually, he had just come back from the doctor gave him a
0: prescription for steroids. I said, don't take that thing, throw it away. And he was better in a day, totally better. And he was <laughs> sick for weeks. Oh my God, that's crazy. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, maybe it was a low quality brand that someone was using, but I had a, a female client who said she'd been taking liposomal vitamin C for like five years. And I ran the organic acids test on her and looked at her vitamin C marker. And it looked like she was so deficient, she was barely registering on the map. Well, what did I say? I said didn't say take it every day, did I? Ah, You know, that, it brings up a whole other important
1: component. You're not, you've got to be really careful with your nutrients. You, wanna, you don't want to overdose on them. So, and you certainly can do that if you take them regularly. I don't take vitamin C every day. I, in fact, I hardly ever take them. I actually at, in, at recently incorporated into my detox regimen, so I'll take like six grams now twice a week of liposomal. But other than that, I don't take any. Except if I'm getting them for my food, I grow uh, Barbados cherries, which are otherwise known as acerola cherries, and have the, one of the highest concentrations of vitamin C on the planet. So, a little cherry the size of a gumball is like 80 milligrams of vitamin C, and I have like 50 of those things. And, and my ch- <laughs> yeah. and my cherries are are basically providing fruit nine months out of the year. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, you believe it or not, I got the like out of any podcast episode. I got the most emails after you were talking about those cherries and how you were walking on the beach and eating them, and that's the way you found out that it doesn't spike your glucose. I mean, that's just crazy.
1: Yeah, well, it it actually, you know, that um, I did when I discussed that with you. I didn't understand some of the basic science, and one of them. uh, the benefit, the beautiful thing about the book that I wrote is that it's vetted by two dozen experts in the field, okay? This, which is very similar to peer-reviewed studies, so, but, but virtually no one peer reviews their books. Yep. So I said, this book has got, can't, it's got to be, can't be anything wrong with it. You know, it's got to be, the science has got to be correct. So, and one of the peer reviewers uh, was confused about the en- mechanism of insulin, and he did a literature search, he was, he's really proficient at looking through the literature. They pulled up this study from the mid-90s that that was really a pivotal landmark study that showed the mechanism of insulin, and it doesn't work the way most people and physicians think it works. It doesn't drive glucose into the cell. The way it works is it suppresses the liver's ability to make glucose or hepatic gluconeogenesis. So Typical clinical scenario is when you're in ketogenic on a ketogenic diet, your insulin level drops really, really low. Typically below one, sometimes below 0.2. Whoa. I mean, it's almost unmeasurable. So when that happens, the, the insulin is the break for the liver to make sugar. So the, if the insulin level is low, that break is off. So the liver starts making a lot of blood sugar, or or, and then you have high blood sugar. So. If that's your scenario, then you have the paradoxical situation that I described: that you you actually will lower your blood sugar because you actually raise insulin a little bit, which shuts do- shuts down the liver's production of glucose, which exceeds the glucose you just ate.
0: So, are you staying on, you know, ketogenic twenty four seven, or you mentioned you kind of cycle? So, you're, no, no. Now, are you oh, cycling no, no, carbohydrates no. and protein?
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Like today. Today's a strike training day. I've been done, doing some other things I can share with you in a bit that I think have really, really just catalyzed my ability to, to – I feel so much better and stronger now. I, mean, I, I lifted – deadlifted like three plates today and just doing 90-pound 90, 90 one-arm rows and walking lunges with 60 pounds. So uh, I, so today, I, you know, I was really exerting myself, so I had, like, I had like 10 grams of whey protein concentrate before and 20 grams after. Uh, and lots of carbs, a sweet potato, berries. You know, two cups of berries. So you know, a lot of carbohydrates. You, you need an anabolic. Let me ca- ask you. Switch. What? You know, you can you can strength train, but if you don't have the anabolic signals, the protein, and, and sufficient glycogen stores, you're not going to you're not going to get muscle mass or strength. You won't do it.
0: So were the berries before workout or the berries and the sweet potatoes after the workout?
1: The berries were before, and then the and after. Sweet potato. The primary sweet potato was after, though. Okay. Big, nice sweet potato, loaded with grass-fed butter and cinnamon and salt.
0: Oh man, <laughs> I love it. Now, are you using? Is it the Ceylon that you're a big fan of? Uh, actually, I use. I forget
1: the specific. It's, it's a. It's a. An exotic version. That it's like. It's a, from Vietnam or something. I don't forget where it's from. It's not Ceylon. It's a different one. Oh, okay. I don't use it that much because I initially was using it every day, and I, I violated what my recommendations are, and I got allergic to it. Well, so you, you've got to cycle. I, I, I didn't have any symptoms. that just came up on, a, on an energetic allergy test I was doing.
0: Ah, interesting. Okay. Like I started getting headaches when I was doing too much avocado, believe it or not. Uh, mm-hmm. I, started oh, yeah. e- I started eating you've avocado every single day, and then I had to stop. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you've got to listen to your body. It's prob- I mean, I probably got to take a, a vacation from avocados, but they're so darn good. <laughs> I believe they're one of the healthiest foods on the planet. That, that probably, or maybe fish roe is healthier. It's kind of pricey. It's like $50, $70 a pound, but it's so good for you. I mean, it's better than then egg yolks would follow that. But fish roe is better than egg yolks because it has the DHA. And the DHA is one of the healthiest fats you can possibly eat. And you don't want to get it from supplements, ideally especially fish oil. Fish oil is much worse than krill oil. But ideally, you want to get it from seafood, clean seafood. And most of the seafood, of course, is contaminated with mercury and and dioxins and PCBs and PBDs. So that's why you use small fish. I learned this trick from Dominic, you know, sardines. You know, I have sardines, you know, four or five times a week. And uh, I love them. I travel. They're great travel food. When you travel, that's where most people mess up and i see it all the time i lecture at some of the best conferences health conferences in the country every year and i and i and, and he's got the top physicians are there right and they, they're eating crap and they justify it because they're traveling there's no damn excuse for that you can so easily pack some sardines find a salad pack some avocados and you got more than your macadamia nuts you got more and you can always fast if you're overweight people forget that one of the most the strongest and most effective strategies you have is to not eat. Yeah. <laughs> Don't eat! There's nothing wrong with that. Unless you're really thin and you, and you can't lose weight. But for most people, that's not their, their scenario.
0: How many, what percent of these doctors that you're seeing at these conferences have, they look like they're sick or they're not as healthy as the, as the stuff they're promoting?
1: Uh, it's relatively small. I would say probably less than 25%. So it's better than the, the, the U.S. population. Yeah, but it's surprising, you know. I mean, I, I don't uh, uh, criticize people who are going to these events because, I mean, especially the lay public or people who aren't healthcare professionals, um, you know, they're seeking to learn. But it, it it does challenge me to find healthcare professionals who aren't really adopting these strategies. Right. They're no different, you know. It doesn't. It, biology doesn't care how much money you have or what the heck degree you have. It's going to hit you in a, like a brick wall. You know, if you, if you don't follow the rules, it will get you prematurely. You're going to die from cancer, heart disease prematurely. You're going to suffer needlessly from some type of chronic degenerative disease like arthritis or some autoimmune disorder. You know, it doesn't care who you are. So, you know, you just have to, you got to know what the rules are, first of all, which is why to try to help people understand in the book. And, you know, it's not the end, of the, the end of the road. Life's a journey. You're always going to learn. We're always going to tweak it. I learned three tweaks from you today about uh, optimizing mTOR, which are really helpful. and what to integrate into the program. So you're always learning, but they're just tweaks. They're not the foundational fundamental rules. They're not rules, but guidelines that you're following.
0: Right. Now, you said you're gonna, you wanted to mention some other stuff you're doing that's helping you get so strong. What are you doing?
1: Well, this is something that's not in the book, actually, that I recently came to appreciate, it's not information that I was never aware of, but I had a, a deeper appreciation of its importance, and that is uh, the dangers of electromagnetic radiation. Now, there's three types. One, actually, I just turned around, so it, and the wind's a little stronger. Are you hearing that at all?
0: Yeah, you sound, you sound perfect. No wind.
1: Oh, I could. Yeah, I'm, for those listeners... I'm actually, you know, we didn't talk about exercise, but I, I'm on my 90-minute beach walk with no shirt, no shoes, and uh, walking on the, where the water hits the, hits the beach, <laughs> so I do that 90 minutes every day, except if there's a thunderstorm, because it's not wise to be on the beach in a thunderstorm. I agree. Um, so, every time I'm in town, which is most of the time. so. Anyway, I, I lectured with Dr. Klinghart in New Jersey about two, two, three weeks ago. And he was one of my early mentors. I haven't seen him in like 10 years. And I listened to his presentations, and he, you know, he just hit home. And he had Magda Havis there too, who also really emphasized the whole issue that you've got to shield yourself from these, these frequencies. Um, and especially like the cell phone towers and the Wi-Fi and the portable phones, uh, and, and at night, so, and I, and I actually did a research, a, a literature search on PubMed, and there's some animal studies, nothing on humans, but it show a pretty strong damage to the mitochondria when you're exposed to these frequencies. So, and it makes perfect sense, you're, so you're, that's another way that you're impairing mitochondrial function is when you have the chronic exposure of these. So ideally, you know, it's, it's impossible almost to live in our culture without being exposed to them on a regular basis. But in your office or your home, there are specific strategies you can do, especially at night. One of the first and simple ones, virtually free, is to turn off your Wi-Fi router at night when you go to sleep. There's no reason to have it on. Just none. So uh, it may be a hassle factor if, it, if the router is hidden in some closet somewhere up a uh, different room, different location, but you can get these wireless switches, to, like on, on Amazon for like 20 dollars. And even though it's wireless, it it only is wireless for, like, when you press the switch. So it's like half a second, you know, twice a day. So it's not a continuous exposure. But anyway, you could turn your wire, just have that button next to your bed and turn it off when you go to sleep and turn it on when you get up. So that's a simple strategy, and that will help the Wi-Fi. But there's, there's a meter... And I did, wasn't aware of it until recently, called ac- Acousticom. It's like yeah. acoustic. Yep. And then, and then ac- OM after. Acousticom 2. About $200. You can get them. Just type it in on Google. you find out where to buy them. And it, and it will screen for frequencies from 200 megahertz to 8 gigahertz, which is the typical cell phone frequencies. And the ones that are causing mitochondrial damage. So it's amazing. You can just get that, and you can see exactly where your high exposures are and ideally, you want this thing silent at night. There shouldn't be anything. So you're wondering, well, how the heck am I going to do that? Well, there's two strategies. There's this, this paint. It's kind of pricey. It's like, I don't know, $150, $200 a gallon, depending on where you get it. And you can paint your room, and essentially that will shield your room. Or you can get a canopy, which is probably more practical for most people, made of a fabric, it consists of uh, cotton, copper, and silver threads, and essentially forms a Faraday cage. And I actually, after I went to this lecture, I was, I was convicted, and I said, so I went and got it. And, uh, and I've been sleeping under this. It's like a tent. You feel like a little kid. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit like mos- like mosquito netting, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but you got this meter, and you can see, you go outside the tent. It's like, because it, there's, there's an audible component to it, and you get this audible feedback. And you go put it back in the tent, and it's like silent. There's nothing. Wow. So you're sleeping. In an EMF free environment, which is in- incredibly restorative to your mitochondria. So, not only should you sleep in the dark, we all, I mean, most anyone listening just knows the importance of that and, and optimization of melatonin and a whole variety of other hormonal pathways. I mean, it should be completely dark, we pay whatever it takes to do it. Now, for me, I had an expensive one, but it was a double purpose. I put hurricane shutters outside my bedroom windows, and there is no light that comes in. I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty. It's, it's almost pitch dark in the middle of the day, but not quite because it does see through on But at night, there's nothing that comes through, so it's great.
0: Now you want to uh, know something. In the dark, but- you want to know something that's crazy. I think it may have been uh, Magda or maybe <clears throat> Deborah Davis. They were talking about people that do those bed canopies. And then if people are in yes. like a high rise or in like an apartment, they're saying that you, you have to put a canopy under your bed too. That way, you're not getting beam from.
1: Well, not a can, yeah, not a canopy. You just have to put the cloth. Oh, okay. you, you put it under a bed, yeah. Okay. So it has to. You're, yeah, that is correct. It's, so and actually, um, the, there's a number of different fabrics. I use the natural, which is best for most. It's not. It's n a t u r e l l, and uh, i have actually got two. I got one for travel now. I haven't traveled yet, but I'm going to travel next week. I'm just going to wrap myself like a, cu- a cocoon <laughs>
0: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and great. sleep in this thing. Oh, that's great. Now, have you yeah, now, a- now? have you gone as far as doing the kill switch on your house yet for, like, the 60 cycle? Oh no, no I,
1: I haven't because uh, – no, I haven't done that because, you know, I've got a lot of other – I mean, you, it, most people don't do it for their house. They just do it for the bedroom. Yeah. I guess I could do it for my bedroom now that I pretty much have it. No, actually, I'm, I'm doing – I'm testing this once. The reason I can't do it is I have a uh, – this, there's this woman named Sherry Edwards, Sherry SHARRY Edwards, and she has a website I think called Bioacoustics. And you probably haven't heard of it, but I learned about it through Dietrich Klinghardt about 20 years ago. And I just recently became uh, enamored with the technology and consulted with her earlier, about six months ago. So essentially it involves taking a voice analysis, a high-quality voice analysis, not you know typical. Cell phone recording, but we're using a high quality mic. And then she does this really sophisticated computer analysis and generates sound wave files that correct the anomalies that are found. So at night, I'm listening to I, you, these are very low frequency way, uh, sounds, typically below 100 hertz. So you can hardly even hear them, but you have to, they're played through a subwoofer. So I'll, I need the power to run my subwoofer, so which is I can't turn it off. That's the only thing I need the power for, so I couldn't run it. Uh, as far as I know, I guess you could run it out of... There, there might be DC subwoofers, but I don't know of any.
0: Yeah, now that's like playing your voice back to you, right?
1: No, 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 no. This is...
0: Oh, that's different.
1: It's far more sophisticated, yes. Far okay. more sophisticated. It, 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 it actually... The, the voice is used in an assessment tool, and then certain frequencies are picked out from there to balance the anomalies that are found.
0: Now, what have you noticed? So, have you I'm noticed anything?
1: I, it's hard to say because I'm doing so many go- great things. You know, I'm just, I'm just like my biggest passion in life is to optimize mitochondria and everything that can help it. So, uh, I, I but something. I mean, I don't. So I don't. It's hard to, to to pinpoint or identify which variable is producing the most benefit. But I know I've I haven't been this strong in like five ten years.
0: That's but amazing. I'm doing I'm
1: breaking, I'm breaking personal PR, PRs on my strength training.
0: Are you serious?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm close to 63 next month. And, uh, you know, that's pretty good for deadlifts th- three plates, 315.
0: That's amazing. Uh, now, so you think, you think changing the EMF lately has has helped that strength? Well,
1: I think so, too, but there's a few other things. So one is EMF. That's one that we know about. The other is dirty electricity. Yep. So uh, you've probably – have you talked about that
0: before? Yeah, I had um, – I didn't have Graham Stetzer on, but I had <laughs> – can't think of his name now. Oh man, what's his name? He wrote the book uh, "Dirty Electricity" and the diseases of civilization. Oh yeah,
1: I, I actually I I just I read that book after I listened to Magda. Great book, and anyone should listen to this. If they haven't uh, been convinced of the of the, the importance of this topic, should pick up that book. It's a real. You can buy it for three dollars in a Kindle version and read it in like ninety minutes. It's a quick read. But it's really exciting. The guy's a legitimate researcher. MD, PhD, epidemiologist.
0: Uh, Samuel I actually Milham. I put in a request. That's his name. Yeah, I put in a request. I, I want to... I
1: mean, he must be in his, he's in his late 80s or 90s. I don't know if he's still alive. But I definitely want to interview him, no question.
0: Well, I, so, I, but, I just interviewed him maybe two years ago, so I hope and I'm pretty sure he's still alive.
1: Well, can you send me his contact information? Because yeah. I don't know if our team has it yet. Yeah, so I definitely want to interview him.
0: Yeah. And, uh... Then,
1: uh, so, but the, he's connected with Graham, uh, or Stetzer. His, this is, yeah, I think he's, is his, is his name Graham? Yeah, yeah, I, Graham Stetzer. You, okay. Okay, I'm Stetzer. So, well, Stetzer is the guy, David Stetzer is the guy connected with. Right. So, Graham is, uh, someone else's last name. But, uh, anyway. Now, have you uh, measured, have you so, measured
0: your house with his, uh, meter where they say you're supposed to be below 50? No, I, I, because I, I, I think
1: there's a better one. I think the, the Green Wave is a better system.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, GreenWave, and I've got the GreenWave filters in my house, and I did measure it, and I did have a problem because, uh, you know, I'm energy conscious, I screwed up with the LED bulbs, and then I screwed up by getting solar panels, not that solar panels are intrinsically bad, but almost everyone's going to need a DC to AC inverter so they can produce power, and that inverter is what causes this dirty electricity in your circuit.
0: How did you mitigate have that? To
1: re- with the filters.
0: Oh, the filters yeah, did that. To, yeah and for the most part it's down, and then
1: obviously the, the inverter goes off at night because the sun sun's not a problem, so you know but it, it, my bed is actually not too far from this inverter, so it 's actually pretty toxic to be sleeping if the sun's shining
0: <laughs> oh my gosh now um, so when yeah. i when I talk with the the uh, Dr. Milham. He referred me to this guy named Dr. Cherry. And actually, he just sent me the paper on it. But he was showing me that these 60 hertz signals can actually reduce melatonin production by 46% from the pineal gland. I,
1: I wouldn't be surprised. So that's another issue. And, heart, and I'm so glad that you know, you're you really, you're on top of things, Evan. You really are. Not many people appreciate this. And you did. So you really served your listeners well by educating us about it. I didn't even put it in the book because... It's not that I wasn't aware of it, I just didn't appreciate how important it was and now I now I get it. Yeah. So it'll be in the revision.
0: Oh, you're gonna do an you're gonna you're gonna make a new like a second version of it?
1: Probably, yeah. Got oh. to. I, I love it. Even that. though it's not
0: published yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. You always gotta make it better. Yeah. Now so um What's what's up with the uh, the office space? Like last time you mentioned uh, that you were working in the garage, but then you said that you tested your office and, and it was perfectly fine. Oh, yeah. How, do, how did you measure that to know that your office was getting good spectrum of light?
1: Yeah, I'm not at home. I'm uh, walking on the beach, so I wanted to give you the name of an instrument. But there's an instrument you can get at B&H Photo, which is probably one of the best photography places. And it's a device that, that actually is designed for photographers to measure light, and if, Provides the uh, the temperature of the light in kelvins, so you know anywhere typically from 1200 to 6000, 7000 kelvin. Okay. Uh, but more importantly, it it actually will show you the typical graph that you see of the frequencies, you know, the analog graph where all the different from essentially uh, what well, doesn't it only shows invisible light, it in visible light. Does you won't see the ultraviolet or the infrared, but from about I think it's 500, 400, 450, I forget where the visible starts,
0: Okay. to
1: about 700, 750. And you can see the whole spectrum. So you can, I bring it with me every time I travel, especially when I lecture. So before I lecture, I'll take a, I'll measure it, exactly what the temperature is uh, or the, what the, the, the uh, characteristics of the light. In. So I can tell from that reading if they're using fluorescence, or LEDs, or incandescence just by the reading I get. Oh. And so then I'll know, because frequently these lectures are in dark places, right? There's no windows, so there's no sunlight. So the, the, the artificial light is not as bad in the daytime because it's mitigated by the other frequencies from sunlight. But if you're in the dark, it is. So essentially you have to put on your blue-blocking glasses if you're in a dark room that's using artificial light.
0: Oh, now... Whether,
1: even, in the, even in the middle of the day. So then I'll show the audience that this is their, what they're being exposed to. And I think most people just ignore me. They think I'm a crack, crank or something. but I, cause I, I just don't, I don't see people adopting and appreciating the importance of this. But you know, photobiology is huge. It's, it, and uh, you know, Dave Asprey also gets it, of course. Uh, we were talking about him a little earlier. And,
0: yeah, that's, that's what I There's was... not many
1: people who are pushing this. Well, yeah.
0: I just don't understand why it's so difficult for people to digest this because, I mean, the light bulb has only been around, what, a little bit uh, over 100 years?
1: Yeah, and the first light bulbs were actually not too bad. The incandescent bulbs, which have been banned because of energy inefficiency, and they are energy hogs, but they're actually biologically relatively healthy. Not as healthy as candles, but close. Right. There's very, very little blue in an incandescent bulb. And the temperature is about 2300, 2700, depending on which bulbs you get. Especially the clear ones are a little bit lower. So those are healthy lights. In fact, when I travel, the other thing I travel with, aside from my EMS canopy and my photo analyzer, is my own bulbs. I travel with four incandescent bulbs, That's <laughs> so I just great. plug them in.
0: Now, let me. Yeah.
1: So, but there, there are some hotels. They just pick the heck. I mean, they've got these wacky fixtures. You can't take the bulb out. They've got these like round fluorescents. So then you just have to wear your, your, your blue blockers the whole night. Well, that's what For I was going to ask red, you.
0: Um, yeah. So let's say like you're, you're doing another lecture and you're in a dark uh, dark uh, auditorium and they have terrible lighting. Are you going to wear those dark red ones or are you going to do the orange? Well, because it's the daytime, I think, and I can see a little bit better. <laughs> well, we, with
1: your, you and I know what you're talking about. Your audience doesn't, though, but there's, I just recently be, be appreciated, thanks to Dave Asprey, that the red are actually even better. So when the sun goes down, red glasses block more than the amber. They block, I think, the yellow and green, too. So when you're looking at them through the world, it's like red and white. That's all you see. <laughs> really pretty cool. Just imagine, like, black and white pictures. You know, it's, it's red and white. Uh, and that's what I wear is when the sun goes down. Okay. Uh, I wear them when I drive, too. So Really oh. important. Because when you're, when you're driving, what are you staring in the oncoming traffic? Those are LED lights.
0: Yeah, they're terrible, the new Rack cars. It right, right into your retina, right? Now, you're not going to fall asleep on the wheel, are you?
1: No, no, it doesn't fall asleep. It just doesn't. No, no, no. I don't drive that much anyway. I hardly drive at all. I drive 1,000 miles a year. But, yeah. you know, when I travel. <laughs> so, but you don't have to be driving. If you're in the car and you're looking at the roads, the same issue. Like, when my Uber picks me up, I put on my glasses. You know, if, it, if it's like before sunrise, which typically is, I take a lot of early flights. So I've always got my glasses on. If I'm in the airport before sunrise, I will have my glasses on. When the sun comes up, I take them off. Yep. If, and when the sun goes down, I put them back on. Yep. They're reverse sunglasses.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Now, you mentioned Uber. Have you had the same experience I've had where you get in an Uber and you get bombed with someone's air freshener?
1: Yeah, actually not too frequently, but that it, is it, 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 it a good point. And uh, that's one of the things that well, one of the products that we sell are these negative ionizers. So usually, I'm in an Uber when I'm traveling, so I typically have it on me already when I'm from the plane because I wear it when I'm in the plane just to mediate the the air quality issues in the plane.
0: Is that just a battery-powered? Battery?
1: Yeah, a little better. I think it's it's a special uh, photo or camera battery, so it lasts a long time though. I mean, it lasts for tens of hours. So. So that's yeah, that, you, that's used, the
0: best way then to mitigate that. I mean, you you're thinking it would be the best be, way
1: I know of. There okay. might be better, you know, but you know, I don't want to be traveling with an oxygen cylinder. Right. That's uh, what I was going
0: to say. Am I going too far by wanting to wear some type of like HEPA mask or something? I don't even know if those exist. But yeah,
1: I, I don't think you I don't think you need that. I think this is fine. Okay. Unless you're really chemically sensitive.
0: Yeah. Well, when when, when my wife and I were in Florida back in January, we were we were too far south um, to to. Uh, to see if we could check out your garden and hang out with you. We were in Miami, but we got in an Uber and the driver said he used a um, air freshener bomb the day before and we both had a migraine headache by the time we got out of the vehicle. I was like, man. Oh. I should have just well, told you know, him to leave. Well,
1: the other the other the other thing you do easily is just open up the windows and ventilate it, you know. The yeah. solution for pollution is dilution, right? Right.
0: Yeah, I was so. stick, I was sticking my head out the window like a dog, but uh I still got I still got hit, man. It was Well, very no, yeah,
1: yeah, you need, you need all of the windows open to get cross ventilation, not just yours.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, and, you, and then
0: edu- educate
1: the driver because, you know, these people are well-intentioned. They just don't know. They're conventionally exposed and trained and brainwashed. So they're they trying to do something good. They have to pay extra for that stuff. They're thinking you're helping people out, but they're not.
0: I know. I are hurting them. So. I totally agree. Well, is there any, um, any latest last-minute hacks that you, that you want to mention before I let you go? that you've been up to?
1: Let me see. There, there's another one. The other one with the EMF is magnetic exposures. So, that's where you get your tri-field meter and, and measure around. Now, typically, um, what you'll find is like these inverters for solar, solar panels will actually be very, very high. Refrigerators and motors will be high. So, uh, you, you it's especially important that you have a a magnetically free sleeping environment. So, so, also, so from the wireless radiation free, uh, no light, it has light free, uh, but you also want to have magnetic exposure freeze. So yeah. get that tri-field meter. I've had mine for 10 or 15 years. I mean, it'll last a lifetime unless you break it or drop it or, something or lose it. So they're, they're a little bit pricey, 150 bucks, but they're worth it.
0: Oh, it's totally and worth it. Yeah, and,
1: you know, it's a resource.
0: What about, uh, like, geopathic stress? Have you talked about that ever? It's something that's, like, new on my radar, but I can't find any experts about it, where they say that the Earth's got these geopathic no, it, lines and such.
1: It, it definitely is an issue, but the challenge with it is there's no uh, conventional metrics or meters that can identify this and measure it. So you usually have to find someone like a, a dowser, who can figure these things out. Uh, they're typically the ley lines or maybe underground rivers or things that cause these anomalies in the earth's field. Right. Uh, one of the ways that you can mitigate it, I mean, if you, if you, so some people have these dowsers come in and like check your house and see that it's okay and you're not over one of these because there's a lot, been, the Germans are big in this and they do this regularly for all their, I think it's part of their certification or their process for Uh, building offices to make sure that no one gets sick. Uh, Bowel biology is part of what they call it. It's really big over there. And they've adopted it. So uh, There's bowel biologists in the country that you could actually hire to do this type of analysis.
0: Yeah, I, I just so, wondered if you had seen anything like they talk about. Like I, I think it was maybe Klinghart who turned me on to it, and then he, he was mentioning something like you could look for yeah. trees where the trees look like they're spinning or the trees are getting twisted, and that was a sign that that right. was on a line. I thought that was pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, I, I think odds are you're not going to be having it. It's really sort of a, a subtlety and yeah. probably, probably not really as important, especially if you're taking care of the other three Three ones, the dirty electricity, the cell phone radiation, and uh, magnetic stressors. And and I actually sleep on a magnetic pad, too, from Magnetico, so that helps mitigate some of that stress. And then, of course, grounding. Uh, and then I ground into the... I sleep on a, a grounding pad, but it's ground connected to the uh, eight-foot ground that I put into the... It was basically pounded into the... To the soil, so it's not connected to the electricity in the house.
0: Oh, now that which is a little, a little. So that sleep pad safer. is that, that that is a um, magnetic, that is a magnetic sleep pad, and then also it's grounded, or is it two separate things?
1: Two separate items. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, does that and then put under off, the canopy. So what does that magnetic pad do? What What does it put off that helps you? Oh, it's, it. Oh, it, well, it creates a healing magnetic
1: environment in the rest and recovery phase. So, really? C- Cruz is a big fan of this, yeah, I mean, I've known about, Dr. Bondley sells the mattress, he's out of Canada, he's a dentist, uh, and I've known about that for 20, 30 years, in fact, I've, I had mine in storage for 10 or 15 years, and then I, once I became enamored with it, I've been <laughs> sleeping out for the last year or two. So
0: That's great. That's great. Well, I'll let you go, but we're going to send people back to your website, thefatforfuel.org. Is that the best uh, site to pick up the book? And then you're also doing a bunch of bonuses for this.
1: Well, the best site is my website, Mercola.com. Yeah. Most of your listeners are view- uh, probably know about that. Uh, but the, the the fatforfuel.org is our the site for the book where there's some additional bonuses. You know, it's just crazy for most of the people in your audience not to pick up a copy because there's a lot of things in there that we haven't didn't have time to go into, to really go into greater detail. Uh, yeah, $15, $16. I mean, I read like 150 books a year. Most of the time when I'm walking on the beach so doing interviews, I'm reading. So to me, there's a very few better investments than getting a book. You're getting someone, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 10,000 hours of someone's time that they took to put together this resource, and you get it for $16 or $20. And... You know, you got all that knowledge—a fraction of what you know. It just speeds up the learning process dramatically.
0: I wanted to ask you about the the Kindle. Uh, like, if you're in the house, I know you could turn off the LEDs on that Kindle. But if you're inside the house, do you have the LEDs on, and do you wear like the glasses for that, or do you not worry about that?
1: I rarely, rarely read the Kindle unless I'm on, on the beach.
0: Okay. okay. So I'm always
1: read. I'm always reading in sunlight, but. On a rare occasion where I might be on a plane or something and, you know, I just finished my computer work, on the computer, oh, that's the other thing, you you probably know from Ben Greenfield, the best screen blocker is not FLUX, it's IRIS, I-R-I-S dot, min, dot mini, so yeah. you can get the, uh, with that, you can get the, easily get the temperature of the screen down to like 1,200, 1,300 degrees, so get as, low as, get as low as you can get it and still read, so... In some environments, you have to go higher. If it's sunny out, you're going to have to be higher than 1,200 degrees. What are is like
0: What are you doing for your iris during the day? If you do the computer, what temperature setting?
1: It's almost. That's a good question. It's almost always under 2,000. Okay. Typically about 1,500 1,700. Unless I have like today, I had to. I'm buying uh, uh Some ports for my uh, new office desk, so I had to look at the colors. You know, so you can't, you got to change the <laughs> code. You can see what it looks like, but other than that, it's always turned down.
0: Okay, because I've I've had mine set on like the 3400 setting, but I wonder if all that is way
1: too high. Uh oh, way too high. If you're over 2000, you're, I mean, that's crazy. You don't oh. want to be over 2000. You should e you should easily get it below 2000. 3400 is like blinding bright well, for well, me. You- I mean, I, I'm. I like never a 3400.
0: You want to know why? how I justify it?
1: Unless, unless I'm in the sunshine. Right. Then you, then you don't have a choice because there's too much ambient light. You can't see it otherwise.
0: Okay, I'm going to drop it down, but the reason I started with the 3400 is because the 6500 was the top setting, so I thought, well, let me come you know all the way to the middle of the setting which is about the 34 but I, I'll put it on nineteen hundred right now and I'll, I'll stick with it and see what changes
1: well you might you might have to gradually work your way down and build up your retinal health and wear those red glasses at night I think that was the other thing that that really is a problem that in the EMS limitation and along with a more radical limitation of uh, non red light at night yeah after sund- sundown I think the, that's my best guess now, both of those together. There might be some other variable that shift because I've, I've always shifting like half a dozen variables at once.
0: Yeah, okay. But, okay. So that's
1: my best guess. So, but, but, so wear those lights at night. Your retinal health will improve. It's really important for your listeners because the, um, we, are, uh, we talked about the other disease epidemic explosions. Right? but We're also having an explosion of age-related macular degeneration. So unless you pay attention to these principles, you're going to be blind. Not only will you be losing your brain, you're going to lose your sight.
0: <laughs> oh, my Lord. And, you know,
1: so it's so easy to fix. Just don't expose your retina to the blue light at night. It's easy, easy, easy. And, you know, it, and it'll, it'll optimize your other pathways because when you increase melatonin, you also lower your risk of cancer. So
0: That's amazing. a great thing to do.
1: And it's just, so, so try that. Gradually lower it down. But I think you need to be below two thousand. Okay. Well, and, I, you know, I'm going to do twenty-seven.
0: I'll do twenty-seven hundred for today, and then maybe tomorrow, the next day, I'll go to twenty-three, and then I'll go to like nineteen.
1: Yeah. Now, if it if if in Iris you could actually, I think the pro version might be ten dollars a one one-time expense. It allow, allows you to go down by, by hundreds, so you can go to, you can pick pick your number. Oh, okay. You know. Yeah, so it gives you a little more granularity in, in your choices.
0: Okay, I think I bought the $2 one, so I'll go back and get the other one so I can, can adjust it Yeah, the, it the
1: pro, one, pro one gives you a little more adjustment. But, I mean, you know, either one, I mean, the free one works, too. I think, I think it doesn't work all day long,
0: though. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Uh,
1: it's like, it's the guy's, the guys a... He's like a dirt-poor 20-year-old Bulgarian programmer, so...
0: I know. Uh, he's a genius.
1: he's not a big company you know he's just one guy and this guy if if the program doesn't work if it doesn't work
0: you just email him and he emails you back that day with the answer so you don't get how can you be that type of service we we should almost tell him to make it a subscription model. I mean, that way he could live on this. No, 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 no. No. no, no. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: I promote. I promote. I, I promote. I send a lot of people his way, and I don't take any commissions from it or anything. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah. It's just he, he's a good guy, and he really needs to be rewarded for his efforts. But he's pretty bright. Twenty years old, like it's amazing. That is amazing.
0: The mini
1: version of you. He's a mini version of you.
0: Well, I don't. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 a really cool guy. Well. Let's send people back to the website. Of course, they know com. Everyone does. And then the fatforfuel.org. That's the, the sales page specifically for the book. So there's a video there. There's the pre-order yeah. link.
1: Yeah, I did a really nice video. My team put together a great video, man. It's like a movie. That's I mean, so cool. it's like a trailer for a movie is what I meant to say. Uh, so it's, Really well done, and I would buy the book if I watched that. So. <laughs> well,
0: I'm I'm pre-ordering it right now, so I can't wait to get one. I, I do you have any that uh, that I could get sneak peek before uh, before it comes out? Oh yeah, out? yeah, just send
1: yeah, just send me an email and uh, I'll get you this uh, get you a chance to look at it beforehand. That's so cool,
0: awesome. Any any last words? I thought words we of wisdom? yeah. I'm
1: sorry. I just, normally I send people a copy. Uh,
0: yeah, so I could read it before interviews. Yeah, I
1: apologize for not doing that. I was just—I uh, think I got hit with a no a, big deal a large number of requests, and they somehow got overlooked for you. So I apologize. No,
0: it's all right. I think I think for us, uh, having a, a non-scripted uh, talk about it is where the golden nuggets come out anyway. So yeah, great, cool. Well, thanks so much. Anything else you'd like to leave the listeners with before we let you go?
1: Well, your audience probably knows it, but uh, just to be empowered recognize that you have the power to take control of your health that you don't have to rely on the conventional media and physicians you know that are really confused deceived and deluded and, uh, into concepts that they believe are true but aren't and are going to prematurely cause you to die and suffer needlessly if you listen to them so you've got to take control of your health and just not listen to me I mean it's a life's a journey you're going to figure it out yourself. You got the internet. You got PubMed. You could research this stuff independently. You confirm anything I'm saying or anyone else. But eventually, you you, you get a number of strategies. You put them together, and you come to similar conclusions. I agree. And uh, you know, you know, I think, and you know, we're pretty much on the same page on most of the things we're talking about. So, uh, I think that's right. But it's best we know at this point in time.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm I'm fighting uh, my my grandfather right now. He's. Uh, He's about to go on high blood pressure medication. The doctor keeps telling him that him uh, dropping the fructose from the diet's not going to do anything, and he needs this uh, hypertension drug. So uh, I'm in the well, trenches it may too.
1: not. It, it may not, you know, because, I mean, it's definitely a good thing to do is drop fructose, but... The, the downside, you have to be careful because when you have high blood pressure and you're elderly, yeah, I mean strokes are pretty devastating and that that can be an issue. So, you know, I I, I like to try all natural strategies first, but you know, I've been burned a lot of times by being a little too conservative, and uh, especially in elderly people, stro- you know, cerebral vascular accidents are nasty, and sometimes you have irreversible brain damage as oh. a result.
0: So I wonder if the you, di- have, you have to be careful. Okay, I wonder if the high diet it is, and exercise you have, to, have to be careful. Can the diet and exercise get it down enough, you think, from the 150s down to, like, the 120s? Or what do you think? Oh, yeah, there's... There, well, what lowers blood pressure? What's the, one of the best ways to lower blood pressure? Dump nitric oxide,
1: right? Nitric oxide. If that's one of the things it does. It vasodilates. It'll lower your blood pressure dramatically. And Dak Bush, is, if you haven't interviewed him, you should. Okay. He's probably the most brilliant physician I've ever met. Z a c h b u s h. Um... He taught me the. In fact, I'm visiting him next week in Virginia and I'm going to his office. Um, I'm gonna, he's got some really novel therapies there. But he, he taught me, I've been exercising for five decades, and he taught me stuff I never knew about with this strategies of calisthenics, which essentially consist of um, a squat, or an advanced form would be to do, do a leap, a jump. You do 10 of those, followed by. Uh, bringing your arms from bes- your side to your shoulder level and rapidly do 10 of those and then do like a jumping jack, but don't jump, just putting it with your arms. Yeah. And then do 10 shoulder presses and you do that four times. And if you do that four times, you will be hard pressed for breathing. You'll be you're sucking, <laughs> sucking wind for sure. So you want to br- breathe through your nose. That's the key thing. But when you do that, it takes like three or four minutes and you get the benefit almost almost an hour of exercise, and it will radically, since we call it a nitric oxide dump. We dump the nitric oxide, which which lowers your blood pressure, um, uh, decreases vascular resistance, and decreases inflammation. And uh, powerful strategy. You can do that two or three times a day. In fact, that's what I'm getting ready to do now. I'm getting ready to do my nitric oxide dump, which is the way I finish my beach walks.
0: That is and uh, it's
1: great. And I do it. Yeah, it's and that to have your dad do something like, or your grandfather do something like that. And that will probably drop 10, 20 points on us. the on oh blood gosh. pressure.
0: That's amazing. All right. Well, I'll let you go. Enjoy your exercise. So much, so much fun and uh, great chatting with you again. Always look forward to it. All right. Send me those emails. Uh, whatever you, did you make a note? Yeah, I've got some notes. I'm going to uh, figure out what's okay, up with maybe, uh, yeah. S- Sam Milham immediately.
1: Yeah, yeah, because I definitely want to interview him. And uh, maybe if you can – let me see. Uh, the Rodeola the uh,
0: astragalus and reishi
1: astragalus and reishi yeah so send me those two so i can remember it i want to integrate that into the program
0: okay awesome all right thanks thanks so much oh, it's fun talking to you evan take care have a great day okay bye all right, you too bye what a blast i'll tell you there's not many things more fun than chatting with dr mercola mainly because he's open to everything. If you can come up with something that's going to work, that's going to help him and he notices a difference, he's going to talk about it, he's gonna interview people, he's gonna share the knowledge to millions of people, which is just so fun and always a blessing and a true honor to chat with him. I'll chat with you again next week. Now, if you're listening, you've got health symptoms, you've not worked with a functional medicine practitioner before, maybe you have and they failed you because they didn't properly address things in the right order then I'd be happy to chat with you for 15 minutes at no charge. As always, visit my website notjustpaleo.com or just Google my name, Evan Brand. You can find me and you'll see the ability to click on my calendar and book yourself for 15 minutes. We'll chat about your symptoms. I wanna hear how long has this stuff been going on? How long has these symptoms been bothering you? How's your sleep? How's your stress? Are you traveling, moving, relationship changes? You know, all of this stuff needs to be factored in. And so if you've never had that discussion with someone before, it's the time to do so so that you can properly address the root causes. All right, I'll chat with you again next week. Take care, bye-bye.